that song really stirs our hearts, doesn't it? I like when it says um, in the words, I always forget it when I come up here while I'm singing it, but it said, since the moment of rescue, I think it was in that one, I've never been the same. That should be our proclamation always, right? Since the moment of rescue, never the same. Thank God for that, you know. I always say, I say to the Lord, like, I'm not a crier, and I don't like to cry. And it takes a lot for me, too. I think, you know, it's the Lord that really brings me uh, to my knees. And really, that's where I always want to be. But he's a good God. And I, I'm hoping, even though I only had maybe three hours to prepare for, <laughs> um, long story, but um, I would have had longer if I didn't get uh, stuck in Catskills for so long and stuff like that. But God, God is good because it doesn't matter. I woke up that song where it says, um, New Wine. Um, you know, the song where it says, you're coming empty, I have nothing. <laughs> but I know, see, I know that God has something. I know his wine is there. And I was reading that scripture that you read this morning, Tom, before I got here. I love how it says that, you know, in the word, the word was God, and the word was with God, the logos, logos, but he became life inside of us. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, how he becomes life inside of us. We're not Pharisees, we're not Sadducees, we're not rabbis. We are not missing our visitation of the Lord. We are children of the Most High God. And it says, and he gave us the right, or it says in my, in my version, it says he gave us the power to become children of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That's something to really praise him about. So I was really happy to hear that. But Lord God, before we start, we just give you this time. We give you this. I give you my voice. I give you my thoughts, Lord God. I just like lift my heart before you. And I know that you are faithful to bring a word to your people of encouragement that the spirit of the living God would burn within us, that our eyes would be open. We go a little deeper. We'd see a little clearer. Lord God, that our eyes would go from being nearsighted to farsighted, to seeing the king, to seeing eternity, to seeing what we are living for, and that we would embrace all that you're saying to us, the encouragement, Lord God, even in times of tribulations and brokenness. Amen. He truly is a good God. Okay, so actually the words say this, make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but you have given me Jesus. Bring new wine out of me. Isn't that awesome? It's a, it's a wonderful song. But because of the short notice I had, um, I had been preparing something for Tuesday night, but it was, it was just like one thought the Lord gave me. And I'm just going to go with that. It was about brokenness, how the Lord is with us in brokenness. And it's how many times we don't see faith, uh, we don't see the fullness of faith. We think faith is just standing and declaring and always being strong, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, always. And those things are true. We are warriors, not warriors, warrior, warriors, <laughs> warriors in the kingdom. But then how did David become strong? How did he become so filled with the Spirit of God? How was he able to proclaim and declare there is a God in Israel? It's because he went through so many things. And when you read the Psalms, it's so amazing. He's just filled with burden. He's filled with brokenness. And then out of that, he's always able to declare that God Almighty is with him, that God is able, that God is with him. And so I felt like the Lord just put on my heart that in brokenness, we still carry a measure of faith. We are, we are building, being actually built by God. Because if we do the right thing with the brokenness and we run to the throne room and we sit at his feet and we want to be drenched with him and filled with him, see, that's where the oil comes from. That's where the, the power of God comes from. And I'm just saying that as an overview in case I go two or three different directions. You know I'm coming back to that. That's the whole theme of what I want to talk about. So um, 
The other thing the Lord spoke to me before I get going is he just put on my heart that David would cry out to him all the time. He was a king. He was a fugitive king, basically, right? A fugitive anointed king. And he knew the Lord and he was running and crying out to God when you read some of the Psalms that we're going to read today. And he goes, but, but in the midst of it, um, he would wake up every morning and things didn't seem to change. And so many times we wake up every morning and things don't seem to change, but something was happening on the inside. And, and that's what I want to encourage all of us with. Something's happening on the inside. It's like the seed in the ground you don't see or the, the metamorphosis of a butterfly. In that cocoon, you don't see the butterfly. In the ground, you don't see the flower. But something's happening on the inside. God is faithful. That's how he builds us. He's not a... Um, He's not an evil father that wants us tortured, but he knows and he knows alone what it takes to build us, right? And to cause us to, to bow our knee to him and to become strong in him. So he's developing us on the inside. The spirit of God was growing inside of David the whole time. The Lord wants to encourage us that no matter what trial that you're or the level of brokenness you find yourself in, he is working within you. He's always working within us. Christ will be formed in us. You know, that's the goal. The goal is of the Father is that Christ is formed in us. I know I say that like a broken record on Tuesday, but that is his goal, that we are changed and shifted, and we have a revelation of who, who our God is. So um, that's his main, his main goal is to fill us with his presence, his glory, his strength, himself. I'm only really here to remind us of that. If I was to title this message, which I am not, I would call it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you something you already know, because I say that all the time. You're not going to hear one thing today that you didn't know, like this great rev revelation. It's just to remind us. The Lord was always reminding us. Peter said, I came to remind you. Paul says, I come to remind you. There's always a reminding. That's why our children have to hear the same thing over and over again. I've come to remind you. And so the Lord was very adamant about that when you read through the Gospels. I'm here to remind you. This is what's going to happen, but fear not, right? These things are going to take place, but fear not. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. In 2 Peter 1.13, he says, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I'm alive, to stir you up by way of reminder. And Jesus himself said the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to remind you of everything I spoke so that you would be encouraged and you would be strengthened. The helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring you to remembrance all things that I have said to you. When you look up the word uh, remembrance in the Greek, it actually means a remembrance is prompted by the Holy Spirit, urging someone to recall a good memory. So when you're going through a hard time, the Lord takes, he uses the Holy Spirit to urge you to this good memory, to, to really urge you to remember the promise and then to hold on to it. And I say, oh yeah, it's nice when we hear it, right? But then all of a sudden the storm comes. So he wants us to remember it, and it also means, though, when you remember it, it's, it's going to stimulate you to give thanks and to take action. I like that. So there's more in that word than just remembering it. We are stimulated to take action, and that's what David did. He took action in the midst of a storm. He said, there is a God in Israel, right? He said, my God is able. He said those kinds of things. How could he say those things in a time of brokenness? He was with the Lord. He was in that, in that secret place. So it's so we can navigate through every trial and burden. It's to be thankful even when we are broken. He's building our lives. He is preparing us in this hour. Peter says, I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of his faithfulness. Jesus says, I'm reminding you of the things to come. 
reminding you to be faithful, reminding you to be unstained by the world, and the Holy Spirit is reminding us all that Jesus said. So it's good to have a reminder. We need to be reminded of all of us. We need all of us need to be reminded. It's easy to remember when all is well, but when storms come and the lights go out and the wind is raging, we need to hear the steadfast, unchanging word of the Lord. When our hearts are broken and all begins to crumble, we need to remind, we need to be reminded of his promise, of a future and a hope, that he works all things for the good. And how he works those things out, really, is none of our business. That's where we get stuck sometimes. We want to know, how are you going to work this out? How is this ever going to change? But what the Lord is looking for is somebody to say, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know it will be done, right? And hopefully we have enough um, testimonies where that was the truth. You know, you, rem you remember like everything you went through and say, oh, yeah, right, you were there with me that day. You were, with, you were there for me with that trial. You were, you were there, you were there, you were there, you were there. And I never knew that you were going to figure it out that way. I didn't know you were going to solve it that way. And so we come into the place where we don't need to know how. Only a child goes, why, 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 how, how, how. Yep. So when we, see our, when we hear ourselves going, why, how, when, all that kind of stuff, we need to say, Lord, i got to stop. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to trust you. So I keep losing my space. I'm sorry. Um, we need to be reminded of his love. We need to be reminded that everything about God is love and redemption. We can never forget that during a trial. The enemy will come and he'll tell you you must have sinned or you must have done that and this is happening and that is happening. But our God, he's our father. We're children. We're all children. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom. We're all children. We're all sons and daughters of the Lord God, Adonai. And in that place, he's a God of redemption. He's a God of love, love that we don't even understand. The word of the Lord will always keep us steady it's the root system of our hearts, but the, Lord promised, but the Lord promised us much more. He promised us the Spirit of God, the one who comforts us, reminds us, teaches us, and leads us. The Spirit of God is the oil in our lamps. He's the source of readiness and strength. We are living in a day and an hour that we need to be found with oil in our lamps, right? Like we said Tuesday night, 50% of the church, if you want to look at it, that way, we're not ready. They did not have oil in their lamps. And it always makes me wonder, what were they doing? What were they doing in church? Did they, did they really know him, which we'll get into in, in a minute? But he wants us to know him. He was calling those other five at the same time, right? He was saying, I have more for you. Just come to me. Put aside your busyness. Put aside your agendas and just be with me. I think it was much easier back then. You know, in the beginning, all David had to do was sit out and take care of the sheep, which I guess that's a hard job. I mean, I wouldn't want it, uh, you know, but... Uh, at the same time, you could look up at the glory of God. You, could look, you were out in the nature. You were in his world. You saw all that he had created. So he had a time where he could just sit with God and be with God out of the busyness before he became a busy political figure. So sometimes in faith, um, it's defined in a way that makes us feel hopeless. There's times that we go through hard things, heaviness, like Adam was, was praying. There's heaviness that comes upon people's hearts. There's burdens that start to collapse them. There's thoughts and situations that start to harass us, and it becomes a weight. But if we think that we have to stand strong and don't know how to weep before the Lord like David wept before him, you're missing out on that oil that he wants to give you. You know, there was a song years ago, The Warrior is a Child, I always ask Kathy if she, you know, she's the only one that remembers the songs that I, that I listen to. But one of the, the lines in it says, you know, they're talking about how strong she was, you know, that she was, you know, had such authority. And it's a song like that, you know. But the basis of the song was, she goes, they don't know wh um, that when I come home, where I fall, who I fall before. They don't know who picks me up when no one is around. 
I drop my sword and cry for just a while. Deep inside this armor, the warrior is a child. We need to know that. And so if we think faith is just always being strong, you're going to miss out on the times where you get before the Lord and drop before him and say, I don't know what to do. I'm broken. I'm undone. I just don't know what to do. Don't let, you know, Job's friends tried to pull away that trial he was going through, right? Job's friends accused him. Where's your faith? Where's your righteousness, right? They threw all this stuff that the Pharisees would throw on you. But the truth is, what was happening in Job's life, he was coming to know the Lord God in a way that he never knew him before. You know, at the end, what does he say? As for me, I know my Redeemer lives. That's what God is looking for in a, in a person of strength. You go through a hard time, and then it's the reason the strength is there, because you went through the hard time. You went to the Lord, and he said at the end, I know, for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. I don't know about anything else. That's all I know. Don't ask me how, don't, don't ask me how he did it, but supernaturally he infused me on the inside. So faith really is found in brokenness. There's a place of God in brokenness. There's a place of God in a hard time. If you're going into the throne, if you're seeking him and crying out to him, don't let the enemy make you feel like it's a weakness to go and cry before the Lord. He wants us to come and cry before him. He wants us to cast all our cares upon him. So sometimes faith is defined in a way that makes people feel like they're hopeless and depressed. Is they put a heavier burden on people. I know many times you've been with people and they ask for prayer, they're sick or whatever, and somebody comes in and says, well, are you, you, know, are you declaring the word? Are you, know, are you fasting? Are you praying? They're sick. You know, they have cancer. They're going through chemo. <laughs> and they come out with, them with all these things. Let them just be. Let them just cry out to God. You know, let, let us be the ones who are strong for them. Let us be the ones who are fasting. Let us be the ones who are praying. But don't put that heavy load, right, upon them. Because the Lord is filled with compassion over the broken. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's with those who are grieving. And he wants to heal their wounds and bind them up. And so in the hour that we live, and it is not a very good hour, um, the light shines in the darkness, but it's really not a very good hour. I mean, half the people are sick now because of the smoke that was lingering from California. Think about that for a little while, right? That beautiful sun I saw a week ago was so orange in the morning was really because of the fires that were blazing, you know, out west. So it's not always a good time to live, but for the believer, it is because he wants to fill us with hope and with faith so that our oil will spill out. But to get oil, we have to drop before him and say, Lord, fill this vessel. Please fill this vessel. So, but what about the suddenlies in life? You know, what do you do with that? You're a strong warrior in God, and all of a sudden, suddenly something hits you, like it did David. Sorry, I'm dry mouth today. The brokenness that came upon him, he didn't lose his faith. He was just going through a hard time. Sometimes, Something happens that is greater. It's out of our control. And all the Lord is saying is, come to me. I'm there for you. Don't go, don't go running here. Don't go running there. First, come to me. Come to the only counselor. Come to your creator. Come to me. I want to, I want to satisfy what you're yearning for. I want to answer your questions. I, I want to fulfill the purposes for you. I want you to um, wake up with joy in the morning. You won't always see the result in the morning, but he does want to fill us with joy. He does want to fill us with peace. We don't want to ever lose our peace. The enemy is after our peace. Something greater is happening in the inside when Christ is being formed in us. He's filling us with living waters, not just the logos of the word. So as believers, we, he's always trying to give us more. We want to get before him in brokenness. We want to cry out to him like David did. In Psalm 69, it says this, For the Lord hears the needy 
and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Think about that for people who are into the strong faith movement. Faith is good, but don't put down people or they're going through a hard time because the Lord does not. He does not despise his own people who are captive. He does not despise us when we're needy, when we are prisoners. He's like, I'm there for you. Just come to me. Don't let the enemy bring an extra heaviness to you. Jesus cried out in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, if this cup could be passed for me, but not my will, yours be done. He wasn't quitting. He was yielding to the will of the Father. And what happened? He was ministered to by angels. The Spirit of God was upon him, strengthening him on the inside, empowering him. He got up from his brokenness, went to the cross, and he brought victory. That's faith. That's real faith, where he went through brokenness and life came. So if you're going through brokenness, I want to encourage you that life is coming. Resurrection life is coming. Something's growing on the inside that you can't get through laying on hands. You can't get just in a church gathering, although we need to gather. You can't get it in Bible study, although we need to learn the word. The way you get it is from the Lord Jesus Christ himself coming into that throne room and saying, Lord, touch me, fill me. Give me something that I can't even explain, right? And the way that you know that happens is that you rise in faith. Jesus was, he was able to get up in that horrible time and fulfill the call of God. What a call he fulfilled, right? The impossible, just the breaking of it, and he did it for us. And so David was the same way. David would cry out, he would cry out to God in his brokenness. Faith is not always an instant victory. Many times it's the master's hand doing something amazing on the inside of us, something that we cannot see immediately, something that might look like defeat on the outside, but God is building himself on the inside of you and me. So others might look at you and say, oh, you're weak. So others might look at you and think, how long are you going to go through this trial? They might come over and they walk away from you because they don't want to hear you talking about the same thing all the time. But don't worry about it because something inside of you is growing strong in God if you continue to go to the Lord. And it's not hard to go to the Lord. You can cry out to him wherever you are. David was always crying out to the Lord. He was, he was on the run, despised by Saul, and he would run for, he ran from him even though he was anointed to be king, even though he had the right, even though he had rights, he was still going through a burdensome time. He woke up morning after morning and found himself in the same state, still a fugitive, still being pursued, and yet he was being changed on the inside. He was becoming enlarged with the knowledge of God. He knew that the, he knew the Lord, and he knew the Lord that the Lord knew him. See, that's key. We need to understand. We need to know the Lord, and we need to know that the Lord knows us. And how does that happen? It's important to understand because in the book of Matthew, the Lord says to many who were ministering in his name, Lord, Lord, we do not, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we drive out demons and do amazing miracles? And then he said to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. That's a pretty scary scripture, but we don't have to ever hear that scripture if we understand that we're taking the level of our relationship into that secret place. It's knowing him. David knew him. Daniel, Daniel knew Adonai. I mean, when you read in the book, you understand that they knew him. They were with him. They exercised a relationship with him, but they never knew him, only of him, only of his ways. They never surrendered to him in prayer. And where all the relationship starts and ends is in prayer and with intimacy. That's where it starts. Um, Psalm 69, I'm just going to read what I have underlined here. I'm losing my voice also, sorry. In two days. David says, save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. I have sunk into a deep mire, and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and a flood overflows me. I am weary with crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. 
Verse 8 says, I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's son. In verse 12, it says, those who sit at the gate talk about me. I'm a song for the drunkards. Even the drunkards made a song about him. 15 says, may the flood of water not overflow me, nor the deep swallow me up, nor the pit shut up its mouth on me. And in verse 16, he says, answer me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. According to the greatness of your compassion, turn to me. That's our God. When he cried out to him, he always had an answer. He always came back to himself. He always came back to the Lord. He always understood that in his trauma and in his, in his heartache, he knew that God was going to be with him. He found faith in his brokenness, in his tribulation. Nothing changed instantly the next day, but he was being enlarged on the inside, oil in his lamp till the completion of his trial. You might not realize it, but you are, in everything you're doing, you are building oil in your lamp. And when the Lord, as we look for the Lord to come back, you will not be those five virgins that says, hey, can you give me some of yours? I don't seem to have enough. I don't seem to be able to go the distance. I'm getting a little weary. I don't really want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in church. I don't want to pray anymore. I'm getting a little weary and I'm little. And they said, you need to go buy your own oil. I can't share with you now. We're at a season of time. I can't share it with you. You need to go get your own. And isn't it sad when they went to get their own, the bridegroom came and the door was shut. Every, there's always a matter of time. Time is running out no matter where, whether you're going to live or die. Time is running out. We do not have time forever, although we live like we do. And so the Lord wants us to know, get the oil while you can. Be ready while you can, because you don't ever know when I'm coming for you, right? You don't know when the door is going to shut. So the heart of the Father is saying, doesn't matter how hard it gets, how bad it gets in your own life. Have you been sick a long time? Are you financially stressed? Whatever is going on, he wants us to look up and know that our redemption draws nigh. Isn't that amazing? He is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And we are living in that day. I keep saying it, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I believe I will see, if I don't, my grandchildren will see the coming of the Lord. And that's a short time. It's still a short time. So in that day and hour, he's preparing us. He's preparing us, and he's saying, come further. He's compelling us, as we spoke last week on Tuesday. He's compelling us now just to come in and sit with him and drink from him and to sup with him and to eat the hidden manna that we forgot about. And he's asking us, and he's so passionately in love with us. I wish I could get that through uh, to my own heart and everybody here. He's so passionate for us. Um, so David was crying out to the Lord. And he concludes that God was with him. In Psalm 73, just another um, for instance, of what David went through. Psalm 73, it was that psalm that we're all really familiar with, but it was at a time where he saw the world, he saw the world prospering and he was not, right? Um, and he had a hard time with that. He's like, why are, the, why are the wicked being blessed? Why am I falling apart? Why are the wicked being blessed? I'm seeking you, I'm giving to you, I'm coming to you, I'm sick, they're not. I'm, I'm giving you my time and my resources, they're wealthy and I'm not. Whatever it is that you go through, they seem to have peace, they seem to have joy, everything works for them. So David was going through that time, and this is what he says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. That's what happens when we start thinking like that, right? Our, we become grieved and our steps are slipping. David's confused by the wicked, being, being seemingly blessed while he was struggling and yet not compromised. He did not compromise his walk with the Lord. We have all seen that. Why am I struggling? Why are they being blessed? And I can continue to come to you. And then he says, when my heart was grieved, in verse 21, he was nearsighted. He goes, when my heart was grieved and I was pierced within, he lost his peace and his faith started to be shaken. 
because why he was nearsighted. He was looking at the immediate situation. We're not called to look at the immediate situation in our lives here on earth or where we're going to be in eternity. We are not to be farsighted, I mean nearsighted people. It's good that if you can like read and not have to have those glasses, but in God's kingdom, he wants us to see farther out. He wants us to see beyond everything. He says, I was senseless. I was ignorant. I was a brute. I, I, I was a beast before you. See, this is a man who had a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a man who knew Adonai. He knew God. He knew what he did for him before, and he knew what he would do for him again. And he was saying, but I started contemplating those things, and because of that, I lost my peace, and my faith, my, my faith, my faith was shaken. And then he says this in verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. A person that is in the throne, a person that is seeking God and crying out to him and talking to him all day long is a person that is able to say, yet, you are always with me. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It'll never be a feeling. You are always with me, and you'll always hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and later you receive me in glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? This is what I love. A person who has a relationship with God might not be a, a mighty minister or a great evangelist or any of those things, but they can come to this kind of conclusion. I'm going through a hard time. My neighbors are being blessed, and I'm not. You know, you're, you're answering his prayers. You're not answering mine. But when you get in the throne, you, you put aside all those issues, and then you say, yet you're always with me. You hold my right hand. You guide me. You counsel me, and later you will receive me in glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth I desire no one beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Your flesh and your heart may fail over a situation that happens, a suddenly or a long-term thing that you're going through. You might become weakened. You might be um, judgmental in your mind towards God. But our conclusion has to be, whom have I in heaven but him? There's nobody else. There's nobody. This world does not satisfy. There is not one thing on this earth. There are blessings. We enjoy them, right? We are, blessed, we are blessed and we enjoy all we have, but nothing on this earth will satisfy. And that's the problem. If we don't understand God first and then receive the blessing, that's where the turmoil comes in. That's where the divorce comes in. That's where the separation comes in. That's where the, the divisions come in. But when we understand that God alone is our source, God alone is with us, he's for us, he's not against us, you're going to come to the place where you are settled and your heart will not fail you because he will be the strength of your heart. How does God strengthen? in your heart. We were talking about that before. How does he strengthen it? I don't know. We don't have to know how, but I'm telling you, he does. You can go in one way, and you come out of your prayer closet another. It might take a little while, but as you go in and come out, as you go in and come out, you are going to come out with the fragrance of God, the presence of God. Others might not even see it. They might just know who you are, and they just judge you that way. It doesn't matter. Don't let them get to you. What can man do for me is to me. If God is for me, who can be against me, right? So as you're coming in and out, he's going to touch you. He's going to refresh you. He promises. It's in his word. You know, yesterday I was, um, I was in the Catskills, and I was hoping to get home like three hours earlier than I did. So I was fine. I thought, well, I'll have time to, you know, prepare, whatever. And so my sister and my brother-in-law were staying, lingering a little longer. I started to get a little antsy, but I calmed down. And so then we finally leave and we're on the road, and, and then they said something about stopping for uh, lunch. Well, that stressed me because that's like an hour. I don't like to waste an hour, you know, going to lunch. I put it aside. I tried to stay calm, but I could feel this anxiety starting to rise in me, you know, time's running out. So then an accident happens, like right, you know, right in front of us, and they close the road. So we turn around. The GPS isn't working. My phone isn't picking up the right thing. So we went on a road that I wasn't even sure of. Now I'm really stressed. But I have to hide it because I don't want my sister to be upset that I'm upset. So I'm trying to hide that stress, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, it's, I'm calculating. When am I going to get home? And blah, 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 blah. So 
then, you know, I'm hoping that they forget, you know, lunch because now we are having this road experience, but they did not. So now we stopped for lunch. So I still tried to calm myself and I did. And, you know, I got, I'm going to get an egg sandwich. They make that really fast and we'll get out of here. And so everybody got eggs. It worked. You know, I got eggs. They got eggs. So that, that part worked. I was afraid they were going to ask for a steak or something. So the woman, there's nobody else in there. So the woman working there comes over to me after we had been there like 20 minutes. And she goes, can I show you something? And I, and I said, yeah. She had a really thick accent. So I, I was having a hard time understanding her, but I could understand the pictures. And she starts showing me all these pictures of that she had taken. She goes, I just thought that you'd want to, she goes, I thought that you'd want to see these. And uh, Lenny and Rini are looking at me like, what? And so um, she's showing me these beautiful pictures. And they're pictures of the clouds. <laughs> There's pictures, everybody knows me, I mean clouds. There's pictures uh, of, the, of the sun reflecting off the water. She goes, what do you see when you see these? I said, I see the glory of God. I said, I see the heavens declaring the glory of God. She goes, me too. And I was like, so anyway, I was like so calm after that. I, well, I started getting calm after that. We still had an adventure on the ride home. But I started getting calm because the Lord was saying to me, really, not even this woman knowing, that he, his, he declares his glory wherever we are. He created the heavens. He, he stretched out the heavens. He made everything there is. Does it really matter if you get home two hours later? I mean, really, does it? Did it matter if I even like, got home five hours later? I'm in control. God is in control. And that's what he wants us to understand. That's not even a crisis. But during a tiny crisis or a large crisis, he wants you to know that he stretched out the heavens and he created the earth, right? And there is no God like him. There is no God like him. And it was a testimony because my sister's like, maybe you should talk about the glory of God tomorrow. (laughs) I said, maybe I should. But every time we mention the name Jesus... Every time we lift him up, we're talking about the glory of God, right? Right, Dan? Glory. That's right. Glory to God. So yet, he says, this is what God wants in our heart, that we say yet. We have to start saying yet. I want to be like Adam. Say yet. That's what they do to you. Thanks. Yet. I am always with you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. So in spite of, in spite of discontentment, of murmuring and complaining. He's saying, you hold my right hand. And in this continual relationship David had with the Lord, he is giving an understanding of their outcome. But more importantly, he receives truth on the inside, truth in his inmost parts. I used to pray that all the time. Lord, I want truth in my innermost being. I don't know how to change that. We can change our outward appearance, right? And we should. (laughs) Jimmy always says one coat or two coat on my face. We should change our outward appearance, but our inside appearance can only be changed by his hand and by his finger. And coming to him, he'll do that. Psalm 51, 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the secret, in secret, you will make wisdom known to me. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. When we start coming into where the Lord is opening the door, he's opening the door for us to come into those chambers. He's saying, listen, in this secret place, I'm going to make wisdom known to you. I'm going to give you hidden manna. I'm going to give you things that, you know, things that will satisfy. I'm going to give you everything you need to survive this life that you're walking in. I'm going to give you not just for you, but that you could share it with those around you. Do we want anything else? I know I don't. So it can only, uh, my flesh and my heart may fail, but my heart and my portion forever can only be spoken 
by one who experienced his love and strength in the inside. When you've been with somebody that speaks of God's greatness and his mercy, you know that they've been with God in the inner chambers, right? You know that something, there's just something different. It's just not a flat word. It's all of a sudden you can feel the fire. You can feel the intensity. You know that what they're telling you is true. Even though you don't understand what the outcome can be, you know that what they're saying about God is true. So you might not see any change, but God is doing a work within you. He's developing us through a relationship, knowing him, building us up, Christ being formed within us. In trial and confusion and brokenness, the Lord was filling David within. This is faith. This is how we keep the lamp, lamp lit. This is how we recover from every hardship in our lives. We go to the Lord with it. We sit before him and we wait for him to minister to our brokenness and our pain, to our concerns and our fears. You know, you might not be broken. You might be not be totally broken by a trial, but I guarantee everybody in here might have some concerns and fears. And even concerns and fears, he wants them to be dissipated so that you can know that God is for you. He's not against you. Just wait. Just hold on to him and keep doing what you're doing, trusting in him. He's a God of great compassion and love and redemption. Every wound he will heal and then leave us with an enlarged heart. It's the only time we're allowed to have an enlarged heart. You know, in the natural, we don't want an enlarged heart, right, Kelly? We don't want to have an enlarged heart because then we'd be calling Kelly for some for some advice. But in the kingdom of God, it's so opposite of the world. We want an enlarged heart. We want to be so filled with God, full of thankfulness and testimony of his, as, uh, of his glory. So as we come to him, we will be reminded of his faithfulness, his strength, and his power. We are his sons and daughters. Again, no grandchildren. We have to understand that we have to teach it to your children. There's no such thing. I'm, I'm, we're actually, I used to say to Dawn, we're actually sisters, as weird as that is, but just to know the concept when she was little, that we are all children of God, right? So he wants us to be confident, immovable, unshaken, fully convinced that we belong to him as children of his kingdom. He's fully committed to us, and he will never change his mind about us ever. I worked with a girl who, would she get mad at you, she'd be like, they're dead to me now. <laughs> that was her saying. I go, so I'm like, you know, how's it going? Are you going to talk to that rep over there? She goes, no, he's dead to me now. It was like her. And it was so weird because she was like one of the nicest people. But when she was done with you, she was done. But I am so glad that God is not that way. Like we'll never be dead to him unless we choose to walk away from him. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to walk away from him. I just cling to his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his goodness, his mercy, his long-suffering. So the storms that come should get us on our knees in the secret place. He wants us strong in the power of his might. David cried out to the Lord in his brokenness. He cried out when no one was around. He fasted when nobody could see in the place of his kneeling and his brokenness. People aren't going to see what you do, but God is going to see what you do. And as you come to him and you keep coming to him, he's going to keep filling you. He was filled with his strength. He was filled with his, with his holy oil. He was fed in ways that cannot be seen or understood. David woke up in morning after morning, night after night, praying, and nothing seemed to change at all, just like many of us here, praying for the same thing over and over and over again. And yet, at the same time, Others looking and saying, oh, they're still going through that. Oh, that's still an issue. Oh, that's still happening. But God doesn't see it that way. He's looking at a map that we don't see. He has a different GPS system. He was being prepared for the throne. And he was being prepared for eternity, just like we are. He just kept going to the Lord. And this is the key for us today. This is our position in this generation. If we are going to see his coming, we need to be filled with his oil. We need to be people filled with faith, not fake faith that is saying, just declaring to be an echo, right, or just to mimic or to mock, even though declaring is good. We need to be people that really know him, and it only comes by being in his presence.
So the only way to be filled, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the rabbis, they had the word. <laughs> they had the word, but they didn't have the presence of God. Isn't it sad that Jesus Christ walked among them and so many people knew he was the presence of God, the presence of the living God. Imagine, I just thank God I didn't live back then because my, maybe I would have missed him. Maybe I would have looked at him and not recognized it. Maybe I wouldn't have seen that he was the Messiah. Just like we can't pick on them because we could have been the same. But it's the same thing for us today. We can be in the middle of reading the word of God in the middle of a sermon or whatever, and we're not, we, don't, we don't feel his greatness. We don't understand he's right in the midst of us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And so we have to say, no, I'm not going to be like a rabbi. I'm not going to be like a, fad, uh, a Pharisee. <laughs> that sounded weird. Pharisee. Um, or a Sadducee. Somebody used to say, the first pastor I knew, he said they were Sadducees because they, they were sad because they didn't see Jesus, so they were Sadducee, right? We, we were, Kathy knows that one too. So the rabbis had the word. Think about that. We can have the word and not really, we can still have the word but not embrace the word. And so the Lord is saying, you can't do it by yourself. Just keep coming to me. Just keep coming to me. But you need to know this. Even if you're not feeling it, you, you still need to keep coming to him. Because if you don't keep coming to him and prepare at this hour, we do not want to be like those who are saying, you know, I need to go get some more oil. I'm not going to make the distance. So the rabbis had the word without the relationship. The fire attached to the word comes from the relationship being filled with oil. In Psalm 62, David cried out to the Lord at a desperate time. When we are broken, the Lord draws near. When we are in turmoil, the Lord brings peace. I'm not going to read all of Psalm 62. I'm going to read uh, words of a song that were written from Psalm 62, but I just want to read this first uh, scripture here because um, Paul Wilbur does a really good job of it. It says, he says uh, in Psalm 62, my soul waits in silence for God only, for from him, from him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. That's what David was able to say, and he went through, he went through so many things, and yet he was still able to say this. We know people that go through things, and they're not able to, and it's sad. We don't want to be found like them. He's a stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. I like that it says in the song here, I'll not be greatly shaken, because we can be shaken, but we're not going to be so greatly shaken when we have that relationship that we're going to quit, that we're going to walk away, that we're going to give up, right? We have to keep going. We might be shaken, but God is greater. He's the greater one. He is our hope. He's our strength. And we, all that is found in him. David was filled with the knowledge of God. We want to be filled with the knowledge of God because in, in the book of Matthew it says, I never knew you. He, we want to know him, right? That's the, the key. We want to know him. We don't want just to have a, a religion. We don't just want to have a, um, a religious way about us as a people. We want to know him. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And I like that scripture because it says, pour out your heart before him. And that's basically the heart of what I'm trying to say is pour out your heart before him when you're going through a hard time. Pour your heart out before him first before you go to somebody else. Pour out your heart before him even though others might look at you and think you're weak, right? You need to, we need to always pour out our heart before him. We need to know where to go when no one else is around like that song. The warrior is a child. Um, 62.1, I read, my soul waits in silence for God, in, for silence in God alone. In pouring out our hearts before him, we are being filled on the inside. We are carriers of his presence. Even though you don't feel like you're carrying the presence of God, it's amazing. You really are. You take it by faith. Uh, I remember somebody came to my house once. There was all kinds of chaos going on years ago. The kids were little or whatever. 
and she you know, was fighting with my mom, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember her saying, she goes, Igeni, I'd love to come here because your house is so filled with peace. And it just always blew me away. I, I, I'm like, really? You think my house is filled with peace? That's really, I mean, to me, it was like, she goes, yeah, it's like there's a, she goes, I can't explain it. It's like there's a cross of Jesus Christ just, you know, like, like firm right in your house. It just brings so much peace. And so that was the Lord saying to me, don't worry about how it feels. Don't worry about any of those things. I am with you. So we need to understand that. We're filled on the inside. We are carriers of his presence. We get used to being around the body of Christ. So we get used to the anointing. We get used to his presence. And you go out into the world and, and you forget what it's really like for them. You forget the turmoil they go through. And we don't become like them, but they look at us. You know, you don't want them to look at you and just say, oh, I can't swear in front of Jeannie. You know, you don't want just that. You want them to say, you know, why are you peaceful? And that's what, you know, what they'll say. That why do you have peace? You know, you know, aren't you, you know, freaked out about this or, you know, whatever. And then you can share the Christ in you that they're drawn to, even though you don't feel it. He is in you. So in pouring out our hearts before him, we're being filled on the inside. We're carriers of his presence. We're keepers of the flame. We are reservoirs for his spirit, and it all happens in the secret place of our hearts in prayer. That's where it all ha happens. It can't, we cannot buy this oil anywhere else. You know, when you think about the oil, we want the oil. You cannot buy it anywhere else. It's all found in prayer. It's all found in being with him, whatever prayer means to you. You know, it could be like worshiping the Lord in your car all the way on your drive to work, but you need to be with him or just to put out your thoughts and then put God's thoughts in there and just say, Lord, change me, just change me. Or we were talking about Evan Roberts a few weeks ago and the revival and, and the Welsh revival. And his, uh, his prayer basically was he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for four or five, six years. And then this move came and he barely preached. He covered up his head. He wasn't even part of that. But it was, he was a catalyst to bring in this move. And all he started to pray was, Lord, bend me, bend me. You know, the, the words of the day, just bend me. We might say, break me, change me. Do what you need to do so that I'm so filled with you, I can, I can see you move in this land of mine. I can see you move in my neighborhood, in my home, my life. He wants us to see that. He wants us to see... Um, he wants us to see the butterflies coming out of the cocoon. That's what he's looking for. And it does take us crying out to God. It's not just a thought. You know, people say, my thoughts are with you. What does that mean? You know, sometimes on Facebook, you know, so-and-so is going through something, and you see all these things where people are responding. You know, they're responding how they're going to pray or whatever. Most of the time, you don't even get that. Sometimes I think, I don't even do that anymore, because you know how many times I said, okay, I'm praying for you, and the Lord challenges me, like, did you pray for them? right? We have to be careful with that. God wants us to pray. And that what the new thing now I always hear is, oh, my thoughts are with you. And I said to somebody once, I don't really want your thoughts because, you know, I'm looking for God's thoughts. I wasn't trying to be mean or anything. I said, but really think about that. You know, think about what you're saying. She goes, oh yeah, I never even thought that before. Or you're throwing it up to the universe and then where's it going to go? You know, they want to counsel you and they go, oh, don't worry about it. Just throw it up to the universe. Well, hopefully God's going to catch it. And then he's going to do something with it. But we do these things, and, and our thoughts aren't anything. We need God. We need God. We need Jesus Christ who intercedes before us all the time. And he sits on the right hand of the Father crying out for you and I, right? So we need to pray. And it needs to be a prayer. You drive down the road, and you see somebody. You pray for them, right? You know, you see uh, somebody in a car accident like yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't even believe that somebody just died on the road here. And we're praying, and... Um, well, I won't tell you what somebody, they just didn't want to get stuck in the traffic at the moment. But at the moment, how heartless can we be, right? God wants us praying to him all the time. He is always praying for us. He spread out the heavens and all creation declares the glory of God. We should never, ever, ever forget that. Look up. Do not look down. Just look up. So David was able to cry to the Lord. I'm almost done. 
David was able to cry out to the Lord God, who strengthened him on the inner, in the, his inner man. He would wake up the next day, nothing changed, but he still was able to pen out these psalms. When my heart and my flesh fail, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He could say this, he could say that because God did something deep on the inside, and he wants that also for us today. Something deep has to happen on the inside. The lyrics to the song, it was, it's from Psalm 62. The lyrics of this is just amazing. The Lord kept bringing it back to me and back to me, and only Kathy would remember the song. But it's, um, the words are, <laughs> maybe Dave too, I don't know. It says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My peace depends on him. And in that place of quiet rest, he fills me from within. That alone, we need to stop and understand. You're not going to find rest or hope in anything except for Jesus Christ alone. Only God can give you the peace you're looking for. Only God can open the doors that have been closed. Only God can open the heart of the person that you're crying out for. Only God. He's the only one. And he wants to do it. Everything else is just temporary. You can have temporary peace. You know, people have a drink, you know, just to calm themselves down or maybe a little... Uh, you know, health food place, magnesium. You know, you need to stay calm, take a magnesium pill. But God says you'll find rest in me and me alone. My peace depends on him. There's no other way to get peace. Everything else is temporal, but his is everlasting. It's everlasting peace. And I can only say these words. We can only say these words to each other. But to experience them, you got to go get that yourself, right? Hmm, I like that sound. That was like, that's true, that's true, that's true. So in that place of quiet rest, he fills me from within. If you don't get anything else, remember that. He fills you with, within where nobody else can see what's happening. He's filling you with his presence. He pours on me his oily, uh, oily. <laughs> he pours on me his holy oil, the spirit of the living God. Just think about that. He's putting the spirit of himself right upon you and comforts me with his love. You know, when we did the study on, um, you know, the, the blessing, the blessing one that we did. Tamisha was here for that one. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Let his face shine upon you, right? And we found that the word blessing literally means, because it's a picture language, right, the Hebrew? The word blessing literally, I like to do this. The word blessing literally means that the king, the God of the universe, kneels down right next to you in your brokenness, kneels really close to you, and lays his hand upon you, breathes upon you, and he gives you the strength. He gives you his countenance. He gives you the light of his presence. That's pretty amazing. So when we go into the throne room and we're just saying, Lord, fill me with your peace, you need to understand it. It's, that's what he's literally doing. He's right next to you. When Jesus, again, was in the garden, he was crying out to God. What was happening was the angels were there. The Father were there. He was bleeding drops of blood, but what we couldn't see was the kingdom of God ministering to him on the kingdom of earth. Isn't it amazing? But it's not just for him. It's for us. We need to kneel before him, broken before him, say, Lord, fill me. Take this, take this burden away from me. Fulfill everything that you need to do. And David was able to say that because he experienced it. And he, he, the oil was poured upon him, and he comforted him with his love. The love of God is greater than anything. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, right? That song? The currents and waves of his love passing over me. You only find it in the throne room. Those who wait upon the Lord, new strength will come to them. He gives them his strength, but it requires action. Action on our part just to run to him. It's pretty easy action. Just go be with him. So, and again, Peter said, as long as I'm alive, I will stir you to remembrance. I will remind you to take action. That's what that word meant, right? The reminder means 
not only to remind you of what I said, but now take action so that you would have a fulfilled answer and that you would see the fulfillment of the Lord. That's really literally why they are reminding. We're reminding each other so that we would see the fulfillment of the Lord. And we would see, hopefully we all look really oily in the kingdom of God, you know. Hopefully we have all those shiny hearts and faces. Those who wait upon the Lord, new strength he gives them. Again, it's a required action. But when you wait on the Lord, how do we explain it? I, I, I can't put it, I can't say it enough. You're waiting on the Lord and waiting on the Lord. You're not getting weary, you're getting stronger. How's that possible? Other people are like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I just keep talking to so-and-so about this problem, blah, 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 and nobody's helping me, and I, they look, you know, worn out, worn out, worn out, and then you have somebody else who isn't talking about it at all. Not that there's wrong with it, there's nothing wrong with talking about it, but you got to go to the source first. And they become stronger and stronger in that secret place. New strength he gives to them, not just old strength. Not, you didn't you had your strength before, but now you're going to have gained strength. You go from victory to victory and strength to strength. He promises that. Every trial, you're getting stronger. He gives them wings like the eagle that they might soar with him. And I love this line in the song. He says, he weaves his strength into their lives, the spirit of Adonai, the spirit of the living God. You go before the Lord, strength is being weaved inside of you. I used to lay on the ground and listen to this song. I would just listen to it over and over and over and over again, and I could just feel God strengthening me and strengthening me and strengthening me. He strengthens us in ways that we don't know. Couldn't hear his voice, none of those things, but I knew that I knew that I knew that he was strengthening me. Every time I came to him, he's filling us, kneels before us, and he's giving himself to us like the wings of an eagle that we would soar with him. So he wants us to soar with him. He wants us to do his will like Jesus did as Peter did, to do his will, to soar with him. He's weaving his strength in us. Then he gives us all of his peace. But for what? The greatest of ever that we need here, all people, to guard our hearts and our minds. Because your heart and your mind will pull you down so fast. But he's saying, you come to me, I'm going to give you strength and I'm going to give you my peace, not as the world gives. I'm going to give you my peace that is going to guard your heart and your mind. The most valuable gift to have to be steady is his peace. Don't lose your peace. As soon as you lose your peace, the rest of the fruits of the Spirit go flowing out of the vessel. And so we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard the peace. And the way we do that is when things happen suddenly, we go, God, you've got this, right? He guards our hearts and our minds. Find your peace in him, the holy presence of the Lord that fills you from within. And then the song just says, pour on me your holy oil. So as we wait on him, as we seek him, we are actually receiving oil for our lamps. When the bridegroom comes, he won't be running. We, others, won't be running for what we should have been carrying all the time. This is an hour to be ready, to be filled, tumultuous times, and the promise of his glory if we come to him. And we know Matthew 25, where the five were, the, five were fine and the other five weren't. They had to go get their own, and then it, the door was shut. Saddest, saddest, saddest scripture. The marriage feast started, and the door was shut. The other virgins came, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered, I do not know you. So to know God is to be in his presence. You can only know him that way. You hear everything you hear from people. You teach the word and all those things are for one event in everybody's life that they go themselves to find out who God is. And they kneel before him and the Lord says, that's my son. He's my son. He spends time with me. He's thinking about me. And that the door, we want to be on the right side of that door when it shuts because it's going to shut. In Noah's day, we said Tuesday night, in, in Noah's day, the door was shut. A time came that the door was shut. 
There was no getting back in. There was no getting into the ark. It was over. And there's going to be a time in our generation that the door is going to be shut. And we want, we want to be ready. We want others to be ready. We want the Spirit of God filling each vessel so that they are ready for the coming of the Lord. Not perfect beings. We'll never be perfect. But that we are pulling on God and clinging to God and clinging to the reality that this day would happen. Be re- encouraged and reminded that he's calling us in times of trial and tribulation. He's still saying, come to me, all who are weary, all who are broken, all who are um, in discord. I will strengthen you on the inside. That's where faith is built. That's where the relationship is built. It's not living in the blessings alone. We are filled by clinging to him, praying, pouring out our hearts to him, not for the blessings, but for him. David wanted the Lord. He wanted to know him. It was much more important than having a kingdom. The oil in our lamps doesn't come from anything but being with him, him pouring it upon us. Gathering together is good. It's important. Like I said, all those things are good, but we need to run to him. He's reminding us today to come. Something is happening. That's what I want to say. Something is happening in the, in the kingdom. Something is happening. He's touching his people. They're coming to him. They're clinging to him like never before, and he's sounding the alarm again like never before. But for his children, even in times of disasters, he wants us to know he's there for us and to encourage us that he will never leave us, he'll never fail us. He's reminding us, no matter what you're going through, I'll not leave you, I'll not forsake you, but you just keep coming to me, and I'll keep filling you with the oil.